Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I have with me Dian RS and we're going to be speaking about mental health as a cornerstone to family wellness and I know especially the past two years going on from 2019, 2020 to 2021, we have had a lot of strength building mentally as individuals and as families when facing a pandemic that has left us sometimes right on the edge and not knowing what to do, how to do it. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what is mental health and why is it so important to family wellness, especially in families of wealth and family businesses. So welcome, Diane. Oh, thank you, Titi. And I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself to our audience so that they get to understand where you're coming from and the work that you do. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So uh, at this moment, I'm an assistant professor at the Catholic University Leuven in Belgium. Um, I'm part of the research department work and organization studies, and I have a a long history in researching family businesses, but mainly uh, the business family uh, that is active in uh, the family business. Um, And that's also what I uh, love to do in practice, um, bringing these insights in how to work with business families into practice so that they reach a higher level of uh, healthy functionality. Interesting. And so looking at our topic today, mental health and being the cornerstone of family wellness. And I think with the conversation we had prior to, to recording the podcast, what we really wanted to bring out was the essence of why it is the cornerstone. So my first question would be, why do you believe it is the cornerstone? Yes. Um, And I think it's a very good question because if we look at um, research, we mainly uh, had the focus and a research tradition of taking a look at what is a family owning a business doing with the business? And then um, this can be explained by the fact that we had a lot of business um, strategic management scholars who were investigating family businesses. And they were mainly looking at, for example, the effect of family ownership on strategic choices, the financial performance of the business. And um, it was also a surprise for my colleague, um, Annelien Michiels and I, when we were looking at the state of the art of literature on mental health in family businesses, that it was quite overlooked the other way around. What is being together in the business is doing with the family. And um, I think we really need to understand better this side of the relationship as well. So the effect of the business on the family, because of course it's um, a reversal, uh, it's a reversal effect. So by better understanding what being together in a business is doing in both positive negative ways with a family will help us also to grasp it better in a more sustainable way what then this family uh, means and is, is, is possible to do with the business. So 
Um, when we talk then about uh, mental health at family business uh, level or business family level, we opened up the scope and we are really taking into account not only what it means in terms of lack of mental disorders, but really also the proactive way. Um, what does it mean? The well-being of the individuals and the family and and this is also in line with how the world health organization defines currently mental health so it's mere than the absence of mental disorders it's really the the factors the mechanisms at play to uh, maintain and and to foster well-being at uh, individual level Right. And thank you so much for that last part, because it was uh, going to be a part of my next question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I know like in in conversation and in in communities and societies um, previously, um, and I would say within the last decade uh, prior, the conversation around mental health itself has changed. Uh, Before, when somebody was diagnosed with mental health issues it used to be and they used to have negative connotations towards it and um, it it seemed like a bad thing and now with the the growth of the space and the research and also conversations and also even seeing what's happening with individuals we we now have a a better outlook or a better understanding of mental health is is a complete package. It's part of who we are. We cannot avoid it. It's part of our well-being. How now, especially with families who are obviously family businesses, you have very ambitious um, founders in there who've set up and and had the tenacity, perseverance to set up these family businesses on extremely ambitious individuals. Mm -hmm. And... um, when you try to broach the conversation around mental health or mental wellness, they it's still to some extent looked at as in fluffy and not something um, that is helpful. How do we reposition this conversation, especially more so um, when you have next gens or current gens who are embracing that complete wellness of mind and body Mm -hmm. yeah i love your question because um, it's not only in the mind of those ambitious uh, founders that we have this this focus on uh, perseverance and, and ambition we even see it in in research if we had already the chance to find studies on more the well-being part and it was then on self-efficacy for example it was all about entrepreneurial self-efficacy which is of course an important dimension Um, so it's not a surprise that also in the head of these founders uh, you um, you will find this focus more on the um, yeah the business performance but in all honesty when you come across business families, it never happened to me that they are not um, worried about the uh, health of the family relations. They are really keen on making sure that they can maintain a good um, family cohesion and a good understanding with with one another. And most of the time, uh, they are also really concerned about you know, their offspring feeling happy. And that's where you can really make a difference 
when you tell them that by investing, by having attention for um, the well-being of individual family members and how they function uh, together as a family system, that they will have better family relations and they will have a more um, fruitful communication pattern. Um, they are already very happy. And then, of course, we also have research that can help them convince and see that by having this better understanding as family members, by having a more um, connective but also solution-focused way of communicating with one another, that also the business performance will uh, benefit. Well, then, Tsitsi, it mostly works out quite smoothly to convince them of the importance of it. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And... Now, within the work that you've done and some of the research that you've done, um, I'd like to touch a bit more on the psychological capital of successes. Mm -hmm. What is that? What does it look like? And how can families invest into it? Yeah. Um, well, maybe if I may, uh, I just briefly uh, would love to introduce the concept um, let's call it independent of the family business field. So the mm -hmm. psychological capital originates from, in fact, also a shift within psychology. Instead of focusing on coming up with rigorous analysis and diagnosing people and coming up with proper treatment, which is, of course, also important, there was also more um, the shift toward finding out how we can uh, make sure that people feel comfortable, feel both physically and uh, mentally healthy, strong. And um, that's within this, and, and it's within this field of psychological, uh, of positive psychology, I'm sorry, that the idea of psychological capital has grown. And um, one of the ground layers, um, colleague uh, Lutens, has um, identified four core dimensions of psychological um, capital. So it's uh, called with an acronym, the hero within us, which stands for uh, the mastery of hope, of self-efficacy, of resilience, and of optimism. And when we take a look at those four core dimensions, if we can um, have, a, let's call it a, a critical level of it. And if we can develop it within individuals, we do see a nice effect um, also uh, empirically backed up from different uh, studies on a person's well-being and on a person's productivity and creativity. And what I truly love about the idea of psychological capital and these four core dimensions is that it's not just nice to know that it has an effect on well-being, for example, but that it has proven within a lot of intervention studies to be trainable, which means that you can really put people at ease that when you go through a proper training, you can really grow in these dimensions and really work on your own uh, mental well-being. Uh, just to give some more uh, background, we know from intervention studies that about 40% uh, of our potential of psychological capital is trainable. And it's also thanks to insights in neuroscience that we know how this works is 
thanks to the uh, brain plasticity that we also have more insights on which uh, parts then uh, of the brain, which intervention tools are more adequate or less adequate to train this uh, within people. And that's why I'm really in favor of this idea of psychological capital and of also um, really embracing it in the context of a family business to see it as an important uh, asset, as an important resource. Um, because very often when we talk with um, uh, incumbents, what is needed within successors, we do have, of course, the straightforward ideas of, oh, they need to have a good financial literacy, a good strategic thinking, they need to be able to talk with a lot of different stakeholders. But this idea of having a good level of psychological capital is by far overlooked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now turning a little bit away from the family itself and looking at advisors that work with families. Yes. I know um, sometimes, especially when, when you're working with, with families, building that circle of trust or becoming a trusted advisor takes um, quite a while. Mm -hmm. And there's a tendency to sometimes to be um, a one size fits all and, and trying to cater for everything uh, that the family needs. But as we are seeing within the family business, uh, family office advisory space, it's necessary to collaborate, especially with, with other advisors in, in certain disciplines that um, can bring a different aspect to the conversation um, with the family and also strengthen um, the family's resilience, especially as they're growing as, as well as as there's that intergenerational transition that's happening. And I think the intergenerational transition being the core of the conversation that has been happening um, a lot of, of, of recently. What are your thoughts um, about that? Yeah, I love your question because that's something uh, important that we need to mention when it comes to uh, the psychological uh, capital, that it's quite a challenge um, to truly um, assess it and, and foster it at different levels. What I mean is it's not because a person is high on self-efficacy at individual level that we see the same uh, level of self-efficacy at family level and the same goes for um, resilience. So um, what, I, what I do see is the need for um, business families when uh, a certain uh, pattern reoccurs, for example, they have difficulties with coming to good decision-making, for example, as a family, um, that it's really important to sit down with your trusted advisors and to have an open conversation to try to pinpoint at what level do we need an intervention at this moment? Is it more at individual level with an individual relative that needs more, for example, self-coaching to boost its, his or her self-efficacy? Or do we have a problem at family level within our family system that certain, uh, for example, limiting beliefs uh, because of old patterns reoccur over and over again and, and make our functionality um, yeah, at risk? Um, so that you can sit together with your trusted advisor and try to find out at which level is it uh, now most important that we get an intervention and that you can have also a trusted advisor, uh, which has the, I call it the 
deontological <laughs> uh, level of ethics to, to be honest with himself, am I the best possible person to come up with the needed intervention? Because what I do see is advisors that are very good, for example, with um, providing strategic advice uh, to the family business might have very different competencies um, than uh, an advisor that is able to deal with family dynamics and make family dynamics healthy again. So uh, I would say that you can only talk about a trusted advisor if that person has the ability to sit down with a business family and find out, okay, at what level do we need an intervention and what's the best possible uh, advisor that can bring this expertise in. And therefore, I would really invite our community of family business advisors to build um, a team around them with different disciplines in it. Of course, you need financial and strategic um, competencies within the advisors, but you also need um, advisors who are able to work at individual level and boost, for example, the psychological capital at individual level. You need to have advisors who are trained uh, in working with family systems and systemic interventions, for example, if you have really some uh, tough patterns that reoccur within family systems, sometimes over generations, and that you can really tap into your own network of multidisciplinary partners to really bring that kind of uh, advisor then to the business family. Because in that way, you already have an idea of how this other advisor will work and whether there will be a fit with the culture of the family. So I think that would be really helpful for business families if we embrace this kind of multidisciplinary work in our advising communities. Mm -hmm. And then Looking at what you've just said and um, everything we've managed to cover, what are the dangers when we overlook mental health on an individual level as well as on um, a group level within the mm -hmm. family? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, let's first start with the individual level. If we overlook, um, let's call it the... Um, factors that need to be fulfilled to make sure that that person can indeed benefit from a decent uh, level of well-being by being involved in the uh, business family system. Um, that person, of course, uh, will fall short in, in, in being happy, but also in being creative and productive. So ultimately, it's not only the person, but also the business that will suffer from it. And the same goes for the family. It's such a nasty thing to see that sometimes you have very nice um, and exceptional and, and strong people when you see them as an individual and also when they are operating, for example, with colleagues or friends. And when they are uh, at the table with their family and discussing important family business things, you see a completely different person. And it's it's as if they are blocked and they do not find, for example, the, the connection to their inner strengths just by being together with their relatives talking about the business. And that's, of course, then a pity that we lose that kind of connection to your inner strengths by being together with uh, your relatives. And very often this has to do um, 
with some hope, with some old beliefs and patterns uh, within your family system, uh, which shouldn't be that bad or, or traumatic at all. It can be in very small things. For example, you were always the youngest brother. And for some reason, when you sit together, uh, when you come and make your case, it's still um, happening and perceived, oh yeah, it's from our little brother. That kind of um, yeah, family patterns can be at play why people have more difficulties of bringing their, their inner strengths to the table when they are together with their relatives and talking about the family business. So that's why it's important that we also take a look at the individual, how the individual uh, can perform and the level of psychological capital by being within the family system. And then of course, the family also as a whole. Um, I think that very often in family businesses, um, tensions really rise to unhealthy levels because of poor communication patterns. And this deprives then people from um, bringing their ideas to the table because they feel kind of afraid because I will harm, for example, further the family um, relations. So by um, making sure that we also have a good family functionality, which is highly dependent on a good level uh, of communication, we can really make sure that also the family as a whole use each other's strengths and that it all leads to a better performing business. Mm. And just um, also just thinking on what you're saying, looking at advisors as well that um, are working with family businesses, how important is it for um, advisors to be aware of their own mental health and mental well-being? Um, considering that they are also walking into a family system or a business system that may have its own checks and balances or strengths and weaknesses and not to be drawn into um, situations that may affect their own mental health and then um, just uh, not allow them to perform at their peak. Um, do I get uh, your question correctly, Tsitsi, that you mean uh, how advisors can also be aware of their own mental health and, and how they bring it in then when they work with families? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, yes. then I get it correctly. Well, in all honesty, and, and the same goes for uh, coaching uh, in general, you can't, be, you can't be a good coach if... <laughs> you haven't gone um, your own process uh, in full and in depth. And what I do mean is each of us, uh, of course, has the inheritance of being born in a certain family system. You have that inheritance in terms of values, norms, expectations, how you are cultivated, um, how we have the programs in our brain that become active when we hear information, for example. So you have that you have that with you. And what I see is each person has, and I call it the blind spots, because you have a certain relationship with your parents, for example, or, or with your, your siblings. And if you are not aware of what this kind of relationships, patterns, ex expectancies in your own family system are doing with you as a person, as a coach, as an advisor, you will be blind for it as well with the families that you're working with. So. Uh, I love your question because I think um, by only having 
uh, a good, sound, deep process um, of how your nuclear family and the broader family around it uh, has developed you as a person. Uh, by only having a good insight in, in this process, you can come up as an open family system uh, advisor who is open to everything that is present in that, in that family system you're working with. Otherwise, you will be deprived from seeing certain signals. Mm, mm, I love that advice. Yes. So now as we are, we're moving towards the end of our time together today. Yes. What do you think are some of the things that um, founders, especially when they are thinking of investing in the, in the, in the mental well-being of, of their family? Because it, it, as we have seen through our discussion, it impacts on the business itself and the, the collaboration within the family. What do you think are the first steps that founders need to take on an individual level and then um, uh, wade in with their families? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, well, first of all, and I really want to emphasize it, you don't need to think that you need psychologists or psychiatrists to make this uh, happen. No, it's really helpful if you already open up as a founder, as an incumbent, through the importance of having um, well-being and um, making sure that you have tools that foster the well-being at individual and family level. And for example, one of the things that works great is that you inform uh, founders about the importance of communication and investing in uh, for example, a communication expert who can help them with making the communication more connective so that you really manage to set off and turn off activated filters about one another, stereotypical uh, convictions, for example, about one another that you sometimes carry with you in a family system from childhood on, that you can really become aware of these filters and that you can really open up to more insights and think in terms of needs of one another. Uh, so that kind of, of openness to this um, investment in functional communication is I think one of the most crucial things to make sure that you can really develop and maintain a good level of uh, family resilience and um, efficacy so at family level then um, what I also see as a possibility beyond investing in this communication and daring to ask help from experts if you need to uh, to have some extra tools and input to make your communication more connective. I think it's also important that you dare to um, require from your successors that they invest in this part of their human capital, beyond financial, strategic, or, or business knowledge, that is also important, but that you see it as uh, a, a requirement for taking up this role as a successor, because mm -hmm. in all honesty, uh, Titsi, that's the only guarantee you can bring mm -hmm. to make sure that across generations, you build uh, a sustainable 
family business and that you foster a sustainable family business success because it depends on both on the business success but also on the family success and on the health of the family functionality so that for example in a family constitution when you make agreements with your relatives on what kind of resources are important and and to bring in in the company if you want to join for example at ownership level or management or governance level i think it's really important there to, to name it uh, as an important resource. Absolutely. And thank you so much once again, Diane, for joining me today and having this important conversation with us. If people want to find out more about the research that you're doing or engage you, how best can they do that? Um, well, um, I think uh, for the research uh, part, uh, I'm very happy with our recent literature review that we published together with my colleague Annalene Michiels mm -hmm. uh, in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, and they can always reach out to me via uh, my uh, university email uh, address, which is dian.ares at uh, dot be so and i'm very happy to think together with scholars what kind of future research questions deserve our attention when it comes to mental health in business families or inspire advisors how to deal and how to make work of a stronger hero within family businesses absolutely thank you so much once again oh it was my pleasure thanks a lot